Hello, I'm your host, Kathy Chester, and welcome to the Move It or Lose It podcast, a podcast about all things that move the mind, body, and soul. The Move It or Lose It podcast is for information, awareness, and inspirational purposes only. I am not a doctor, and I don't even play one on TV. So please consult with your doctor before making any medical decisions. The views expressed by advertisers, guests, or contributors are their opinions and not necessarily the views of the Move It or Lose It podcast. Hello, welcome to another edition of Move It or Lose It. And today we are back with Dr. Sam and we're going to continue our discussion about TikTok and multiple sclerosis and how social media has taken such a big part in the role of getting patients information. And so Dr. Sam, we're so happy to have you on again and just discussing what it's like to have multiple sclerosis and be a doctor and having such a presence in what I believe will not ever end in social media and um, the work that you're doing. So thank you for coming back and joining us again. Thank you. Very happy to be here. So I encourage you, if you've not, if you missed the first one, go back and listen to that. And I think you'll find it very interesting, um, Dr. Sam's story and how she got into neurology and just go back and listen to her diagnosis and where we started. Going back to that a little bit, you coming on to TikTok and both of us talking about something that wasn't like, woohoo, TikTok, let's go. Um, but wanting to really get our both of our messages out and our voice out and talking to the community and helping, it seemed like, wow, this changed. This isn't about, you know, a bunch of people dancing and a bunch of kids on TikTok. There's, of course, you know, a spot for that. But there's a spot for a lot of, you know, for an ability to communicate and being able to spread awareness. Have you been shocked by the excitement about your presence and how many have really been able to really receive you and really have gotten so much from your videos? Yeah, uh, I uh, was honestly shocked at how excited people were to see me. (laughs) (laughs) which was like very pleasant, like a pleasant surprise, but I was just like, wow. I mean, it really highlighted the need, I think for that kind of presence and information. But, um, yeah, so (laughs) I, I just kind of started these videos and I I made my platform on TikTok, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Personally, I was more familiar with Instagram and Facebook reels. Right. And I don't know if that's just my age demographic or what, but I've never been on TikTok. I had made an account once when someone sent me a link and like, just to see the video. Right. <laughs> and I also thought it was mostly people making silly videos. Um, Animal videos, dancing. Right, right. But I did notice uh, people who had a following on Facebook and Instagram when you actually, you know, if it was like a repost from TikTok and you go to TikTok, they had way more followers on TikTok. I also didn't realize that what I was trying to do is kind of more suited for that platform. Just the small informational videos, um, getting out to a wide audience that you don't know. Right. Cause I think Facebook and Instagram, I mean, now they're owned by the same company, but they're, um, you know, they're really targeting the people you already are connected with right. like your network. And so, um, you know, I didn't really think about that going in. It makes sense now yeah. <laughs> that I've seen the response because I have the same videos on all three platforms and like a hundred people are following me on Facebook right. and there's like 6,000 yes. now on TikTok, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I just started like a few months ago. Yeah. So 
um, I think initially I had, I really want to keep the momentum up when I started posting. Oh, I think I posted a few because I was like terrified to start recording myself. And I, I'm sure everyone gets over the, like not liking the way you sound oh, yeah. or look on video. Anyways, <laughs> I had, um, this like stroke of inspiration. I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I recorded my first video or two, and then I was really busy and I didn't post anything. And then I was like, all right, I got to get back into it and try to do it one a day. Um, and that's when things started really taking off, um, up until like, I took about a month and a half off uh-huh. for my wedding honeymoon. And obviously you really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Just- I know. So now I'm back in it and, and I see that there's, you know, engagement again and things, um, you know, the number, like people are following me. And I think, uh, initially, in fact, I was getting a lot of messages from people in the MS community on TikTok, like, you know, oh, you're like the talk of the town right now. <laughs> I was like, this that's is funny, cute, but-, but you really are. As soon as I went on there, they were like, you got to connect with Dr. Sam. You, you say a lot of the same stuff. I'm yeah. like, I will, but people were telling me about a million different things. So I was so excited to to find you finally. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love, they're like, you got to interview her on your podcast. I'm like, I I will, I promise. So it was so great to connect with you. And I was just blown away by all the stuff. I was like, gosh, she, she's, you just have such a way of presenting your information. And in, in a way, like you, like you said before, that is easy for us to be able to process. And I love the way that you do it because so many times a doctor will get on and speak in words that were like, can you come again? <laughs> what, what was that? And how do you say that in English? And so it's, it's difficult for sometimes we'll watch something. And I'm just like, I have no idea what he said at all. I have no clue. And I need some kind of a, of a doctor's like for dummies so that I can understand what in the world that means. So it, it is very refreshing. And I think that's why um, YouTube and TikTok is so helpful because you coming on to explain things in terms that we understand since we all did not go to school and we're not neurologists so that we can, we can understand some of the, of the terms that make sense to us. How has it become with your fellows, with your other people and your team and stuff like that? What do they think about you on TikTok? Do they watch your videos? Oh yeah. They're very supportive. Um, I initially only told like my co like co-fellows and then more recently I've told more people in the clinic. And I think especially for people who are like the research coordinators, yeah. since we do have so many research projects, a lot of them are between like college and trying to go to like med school or PA school or nursing school, or whatever. And I think that's also like educational for them too, yeah. because they're seeing patients every day and then getting some of that background knowledge is helpful too. So, but people have been overall very supportive. Have you spurred anybody on to maybe do their own? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I think a lot of, a lot of neurologists are introverts, oh, yeah. like significant introverts. And well, it was just a kind of funny aside, but I had, was telling my team that I thought I was introverted and, but they were like, are you kidding? You're like the most extroverted one of all of us. But it's because my husband is like the most extroverted person you will ever meet. We did like personality tests and he's like 99% extrovert and I'm like 60th. So I was like, okay, compared to him, I do feel like I need to recharge sometimes, but compared to the people I work with, yeah, like they're like, you're definitely like, yeah. <laughs> so <That's funny. laughs> 
Yeah. So they're like, yeah, they, they have no interest right. in putting themselves back, but they're more than happy to support me. Right. So. I mean, even interviewing you as a neurologist, I'm like, you are very, very extroverted for a neurologist that I've ever had on here. Usually I'm nerved up. I'm, I'm carrying the conversation. I'm like, okay. So, and they're speaking words that I'm like, look this word yeah. up. I don't know what it means. So it's, um, it's very funny. So yeah, I could see that, that they would think that of you. Very funny. If you could see yourself like in like, I'd hate to say like five years and that's a lot, but where do you see your practice and where do you see yourself going and moving into? That's a very good and hard question because I'm, and I'm trying to answer it for myself right now because I'm looking for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because I will be finishing my training next summer. So I'm looking for jobs and I think it's always kind of been a dream of mine, like long-term career goals to go somewhere where there's a need and help set up an MS center or help expand MS care. Um, and so, you know, I'm kind of looking broadly for, you know, positions and things like that. And, and I think it's, it's a need across the country. Like there's, I mean, definitely where I'm training this kind of saturated with them. There's a lot of MS neurologists. And that being said, we still have weights that are six plus months yeah. because there's so many people, right. I just, there's need everywhere. And so I think I'm just trying to go somewhere where I can like make a difference and yeah. hopefully have enough time to continue this kind of online patient education right. as well. Like, are you thinking sometimes like out of country? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I honestly, well, it's, I, I don't, the medical system is going to be very different and I don't even know how that works if, in terms of going elsewhere, but I've never imagined going out of the yeah. country. But there's a lot of need in this country yeah. in like, the South, the Midwest, yeah. I mean, just less populated areas. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think that this, this is a great way on online TikTok and other online platforms are a great way to reach people in those kind of places, yeah. especially if they see an MS neurologist. Cause again, there's like not that many of us right. and it's a really small, I mean, the supply and demand is crazy. And so, you know, a lot of people are seeing general neurologists yeah. who maybe aren't as familiar with the newer For meds sure. and, you know, it's hard to keep up with all this stuff when you're practicing and like, I mean, I, I think it was when I graduated medical school, they were like, well, by the time you're four years out of medical school, like a third of what you've learned is totally irrelevant and completely like we've learned something else. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just crazy to yeah. think about. It is. And I think that it's hard as a patient because you see your neurologist and often you guys get the blame because we're mad because it's like, what is going on and why is there not an answer? And why, how in 15 minutes am I supposed to know what I'm, what, what is my next choice and what's going on with me? And, you know, we come with what we're told to come with, you know, our list of questions and, you know, you're supposed to answer them in 15 minutes and we're supposed to leave feeling better. And you're supposed to be, you know, our God to us. So we leave pissed off and mm -hmm. I'm sure you leave. Like, I know that patient's mad and I, I don't know what to do. And you're frustrated, we're frustrated. And, you know, we leave depressed feeling like maybe medicine in general just isn't where I should go. Maybe I just get off it. And, and, and I know a lot of patients now it's terrifying, but so many are getting off their DMTs because of that frustration. And, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you don't, it's hard to say because I I get this opportunity to interview doctors and patients. And so it's tough because it's like, I know that, you know, there's only this little bit of time that doctors get. 
So it's just a, a weird time. And so I'm so grateful for having the time that doctors are able to give to social media, because I think it helps when we hear things like there's a lot of frustration, but don't, you know, jump off a DMT. Don't jump off your medications because you're frustrated because you have to take care of yourself. And I think when we can hear those things, even in those frustrating times, even when, when we feel like we're not being listened to. And as you said, when we get depressed and anxiety's here. And so it's like, you know what, forget it. I'm just getting off it. I think that those, those times are, are good. Do you find a lot of, when you talk about that, do you find a lot of responses on TikTok? I haven't really gotten into that so much. I've been more doing education about, well, it seems like a lot of people have been really interested in the MRI, like imaging. And so I have a lot of questions about that. And I realize like a lot of my videos now have focused on that. And so I'm trying to kind of swing back towards like symptom management. I think that that's, those topics are really hard to get into on a TikTok video. I think that has to be kind of a back and forth conversation because I think it can be taken the wrong way by different, you know, and it's just the nature of having a video where no one can, you can't have like a two way conversation, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough. And I, I really sympathize because I'm, I've been on both sides. Like I have been the person calling for an appointment and they're like, I'll call you back. And then you never get a call back or like, you know, when my insurance changed and then I get charged for like the whole amount because they didn't charge the insurance. And then I have to wait on hold for hours and then they don't fix it. And it's like, I'm connected to the healthcare system. And I can't even imagine how hard it is for somebody who doesn't understand the medical system or like has cognitive issues, you know? And so like, I, I'm super sympathetic. And then, but at the same time, I'm like, if I could just do medicine the way I wanted to do it. And I'm sure a lot of doctors feel this way patients and doctors would be so much happier, right, but like, right. we're told we only have this much time to see the patient. And you're like, well, I actually need two hours with this patient, but insurance will never right. pay for that. And so it's like, you're just kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like I actually, as a fellow, it's nice because I can spend as much time as I with people. And, and when I'm working with another doctor in clinic and we're like running behind, like they're going to go see somebody else while I'm spending the yeah. time with the person who needs that time. And I think that is a um, perk of going to like a teaching academic center for sure. But out in the real world, like a private practice, that's like, you know, exactly. And, and so interestingly, I know this is like a little bit off topic, but like, there are some people who like, this is well known in the psychiatry world, but some people who do kind of fee for service, which is not taking insurance at all for their visits. And in that way, even though it sounds kind of crazy, like, oh my God, how could you not take insurance? Like they can spend two hours with you then. Yeah. Right. But then it, it's a whole ethical issue because like, then you're only catering to the people who can afford to do that. And it's just such a complicated and system. It's like, right. we could talk for hours. And people that, don't but, understand I mean, that. Yeah. But it is very appreciated. And I think we get so frustrated with it. And I know we don't want to get into this big thing with that. So, but even though we said we weren't going here, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I do, I think that there has to be as frustrated as we get, I think there has to be a thank you for the doctors that do that. And I, I'm always so grateful when I see an extended visit, when I'm overwhelmed about something and, and my doctor is put in for an extended visit. Cause I know I realize that's going to put him behind. I realize what that means. And so um, I think a lot more of us have to see that. And whenever I see that, I always make sure to thank him for that. 
because I know that that what that means. And I appreciate that extra bit of care, you know, that that went that went into that. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you have a good doctor and you really trust them and like, that's the, that's the most important thing. And, and what I think I'm hearing from people on TikTok and sometimes when things I'm saying are taken in a way I don't intend, it's because they have doctors who, um, I don't think they don't trust or they don't feel they're listening to them or they don't have a good bedside manner or they have an ego. Like, you know, I mean, I have met people who have big egos, like honestly, medicine's a humbling experience because you know, you, you constantly learning things, you're constantly making mistakes and like, oh, I should have done this differently. And if you don't, some people aren't as open to that as others. And, so, you know, I do think like, obviously the personalities of doctors, yes. personalities of everyone can be very wide. And so you just have to find someone that you jive with that you feel like is listening to you. And so, yeah, I, I think a lot of frustration also comes from people who don't feel like they're actually listening to them and whether that's a doctor, like an issue with that person or an issue with the system sure. within which they're forced to, to work. I think it's hard to say, but I do hear that frustration a lot. Is your company, business, school, nonprofit organization, or maybe your support group looking for a speaker to talk about what it's like to have an autoimmune disease, or maybe just to motivate and help inspire? Well, my name's Kathy Chester, and I'm the owner and maker of MS Disrupted and the program, Damn It, Disrupt, Move, and Transform. I have been doing motivational speaking for years, and I'd be happy to come and help, whether it's motivational speaking at a company or at a school. So please feel free to email me at msdisrupted at gmail.com, or you can check out the website, msdisrupted.com, or feel free to DM me at msdisrupted. Can't wait to hear from you. Give me like one of your favorite stories of like something that really touched your heart with a patient. I mean, <laughs> I I think there are so many. And I will say like for my training, the only patients that I really got to follow longitudinally were ones that I took care of as a resident because as a mm-hmm the way my clinic is scheduled now I'm with different people every month. And so kind of a lot of patients are new to me, right? even though they've been followed by whoever I'm working with for years sometimes. And I think in that kind of, I can like, I'm going to separate those two. So in my current position, I think the things that are most heartwarming to me are working like, so a lot of these clinics, people have been seeing these doctors for, you know, a decade or more. Sure. Like last week, for example, I mean, every single person was just, I mean, even if they had a little bit of disability, they were stable, things were going well. And I think that that's really heartwarming to see that that is a possibility. You can have an entire day of clinic with people who are stable on their regimens. And that would not have been the case 10, 20 years ago. Right. Um, Even people who are uh, like, for example, I saw a patient who had um, primary progressive MS and she was stabilized on Ocrevus. And that, I mean, that's amazing. That would have been unheard of. 10 years ago. Right. Right. And so I think that kind of thing, like seeing that and realizing it and being grateful for just where we are right now with medicine, even though we have a lot of work to do, especially with progressive MS, like we have a lot of a long ways to go, but like seeing how far we've come is, is just really, that's very heartwarming. Uh, Yeah. But then like back in residency, like my very first MS patient, like she'll always have a near and dear place in my heart when I, I mean, I diagnosed her in the hospital for a relapse and she was my age. And I, I really just like 
connected with her. And I was like, yes, I want to take you into my clinic and I want to be your doctor. And it was a huge learning experience because through that, I learned all of the headaches (laughs) that it is to get medications approved. And all of the, I mean, there's so much red tape and I almost at some points felt I was doing her a disservice by being her doctor because I didn't know how to play the game. The insurance wanted, I didn't know how to word things to get it approved. Right. And so I was kind of, I just, I remember just felt feeling so guilty because the first medication we had gone on, she changed her insurance so she could see me because the insurance wasn't taken at the clinic. And then the new insurance denied the medication we had started. (laughs) And she'd already been on it and she was doing well. And I went through all the appeals and then I talked to the doctor and I did all the things I was supposed to do. And they still said, we're not paying for it. And that was just heartbreaking for me to learn. And then, you know, learning, you can partner with the drug uh, company, like get free drug through that, those programs. And like, that's what we did. And so I think along the way, just different things that would come up, I would learn along with her how to kind of be a best doctor. Um, like, you know, uh, for, for uh, example, pregnancy planning, like, sure. Like, what should we do? And I was like, you know, I don't know, let's figure <laughs> it out together. I, I haven't dealt with this yet. And right. so, um, you know, I think that, and then when I finished my residency, I kind of transitioned her to the MS clinic instead of giving her to like a new brand new resident. Who right. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Um, but <laughs> I think, you know, and, and I had, we had mentioned earlier when we were chatting, I had disclosed that to her, my just kind of, I was earlier on in my diagnosis as well, but I disclosed, Hey, I also been diagnosed like, well, you know, like we're all very different, but like, you know, it'll be okay. Like there are plenty of people living with MS and living their lives and taking care of their families and working and, you know, we're going to figure it out (laughs) together. And, uh, and I think that was comforting to her, but at the same time, then it kind of did change the dynamic a little bit. Whereas then she would like ask me how I was doing at at visits. And I was like, I don't know if I really need to disclose this to all my patients, select few that I really think need to hear it. But, um, so, (laughs) but I think that was, I mean, that's kind of the closest, uh, Yeah. But that's great. That's awesome. Because I mean, you're right. That is how we learn, right? I mean, it's, it's trial and error. It's like, how else would you have learned to not disclose so much about you that it's not like, okay, every patient isn't supposed to be my best friend. So I'm not supposed to share all of this because it's, it's hard. Cause it's like, you got, you want to empathize you, you got this and it was your first patient, but I love that story. That's, that's beautiful. So before I lose you, before our before we're done with our second, if you wanted to leave a message with our listeners, what would be that message? I think the first that I already touched on is that this disease is the management anyway, so different than it was a decade ago and yeah. certainly two decades ago to the point that people who are newly diagnosed today, a lot of them, I don't think will ever reach levels of disability that you know we see for people that were diagnosed 20 or 30 years ago. And so I think that's a really important, really important message to drive home because um, I know, and it's hard because, you know, doing these videos, it's kind of like, there's kind of two different camps, right? The the newly diagnosed and then the people who are living with symptoms and the day-to-day. And, and so anyway, I don't want the seeing some of the disability to scare those people who are newly diagnosed into, you know, I don't even want to, I don't even want to think about this and then not come in and get treatment because I think that's like, that is the worst and most heartbreaking thing to see when someone is in denial, they don't get on treatment and then their disease does continue to evolve. And, you know, you see them 
five, 10 years later and right. disabled in some way. And you're like, well, we could have potentially prevented this. That to me is like the saddest thing. Yes. And so the biggest message is get on treatment early, know that everyone's different. Like just because your friend can control their diet, control their MS with their diet or whatever, like maybe they would have been fine regardless. Like you, you're, you're your own person and kind of yes. just find a neurologist that you trust and that you can partner with. I think like those are all the, my main messages. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, um, I love that. And I, and I do believe, you know, even having it 20 something years, and I know you talked about this and I obviously love this because my podcast is move it or lose it. Had I done what my grandfather and my aunt did like years ago, I don't think I would be in relapsing remitting still if I wouldn't have exercised from day one and been on a, a different diet and just changed my life. And even though exercise was always a part of it, it changed from something I just loved to something I did for my life, you know, to really save my life. And I believe that it really did. And so I believe that all those years of, of that really has paid off and I'm able to do the things I can do and help others because of that. I know you agree with that. And I know you have a, a really beautiful thing about exercise on TikTok. So if you want to go back and um, and follow Dr. Sam on TikTok, um, go ahead and, and give us your handle on TikTok. Oh, it's at that MS doc. Yes. So go in and I'll have that also on the bottom of the show notes. So if you're driving, please don't pull over. Don't put up the brakes on. It'll be on the bottom of the show notes and you can get all of the things, all of her social media and also, like you said, you're on Instagram as well. And so we'll have um, your handle on Instagram and TikTok. So I love having you here. I'm so excited. I know that's going to be exciting. I don't even know that I want to share this until right before that um, that you're going to be on. So I really want to excite all of our TikTok people and everybody um, that you're going to be on here. So again, Dr. Sam, thank you so much for being on. I know that people are going to love you even more. And um, I have just grown to love you even more than I have in just the last couple of weeks getting to know you. So (laughs) thank you for what you're doing for us and for multiple sclerosis and for you, your own body. And um, I look forward to seeing all that you're going to accomplish. I have no doubt. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Move It or Lose It podcast, where you can again find us wherever you like your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, join us on that. And we can't wait to see you again. We're going to have a lot of exciting guests and working together. And as always, you'll hear us say at the end of every podcast, we are stronger together. So let's do it. Let's become stronger together. Have a great day. Hey.